We're in John chapter 14 as we work our way through the Gospel of John. Jesus is in the midst of giving his last teaching to the disciples, his Jewish disciples. And he says, if you would have known me, you would have known my father also. And as we look back upon the disciples, we question, how could they have doubts or questions as who Jesus is, having lived with him, they've been his constant companion for three and a half years. Consider for a moment what the disciples have been eyewitness to. They're on this little boat out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. There's a storm that arises. Jesus speaks to the storm, peace, be still. And the storm instantly stops. And the disciples, they ask, who is this that a raging storm obeys him? And it says they marvel. They marvel at who he is. Then Jesus feeds 5,000, followed by a feeding of 4,000. And he's multiplying perishable food, fish and bread. And the disciples participate in this serving of food. They had them sit down in groups of 50. And the disciples are part of this serving of the food. And then you have all the healings that Jesus did. He healed lepers. And up until this time, there was provision in the law for a leper to go through a process of cleansing after he was healed. But it's never had to been exercised. No one has ever went to the priest and offered the offerings of cleansing from being a leper. So Jesus heals lepers. He heals the blind. He heals the deaf. He even raises Lazarus from the dead. And he's doing works that no one has ever done. But it seems to escape the disciples. So Jesus reminds the disciples, believe in me by remembering the works you have seen done by me. And he says, because the heavenly father dwells in me, I do these works. And Jesus has the disciples' attention. And he continues his teaching to them. And we pick it up in John 14, uh, verse 12 through 14. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We have here Jesus giving out one more of his most assuredly. Uh, he gave out three in this passage. But Jesus has another truth for the disciples and, of course, that truth applies to us, too. We will do works, the same type of works as Jesus did. 
And then he says, and greater works than I have done, you will do. Now, I don't know about you, but that causes me to have a dilemma. <laughs> what can I do that are greater works than what Jesus, our Lord and Master, did? But the greatest work that can possibly be done is the work of a saved soul or the work of salvation in life by our preaching of the gospel. When you change the eternal home of a person, that is the greatest possible work you can do. Jesus provides salvation, but he provided salvation right at the end of his ministry by giving his life on the cross. The amount of time of Jesus' life after his resurrection is very brief, 50 days. But shortly, that day of Pentecost will come. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter will preach Jesus and thousands of people will come into the kingdom of God. Thousands. Jesus didn't have thousands of converts. The giving of the Holy Spirit by Jesus brings in great works, great numbers, and great numbers of believers. All we have to do is read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is actually the works of the Holy Spirit. It's just, you know, the acts of the Holy Spirit. These works done by the disciples and believers all by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is given by Jesus. In verse 13 and 14, Jesus continues and he says, Ask whatever in my name and I'll do it. Then to emphasize this tremendous promise, Jesus repeats, Ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. Wow. That, you talk about a blank check. <laughs> First, let me state a truth. All prayers are answered by our Lord. Do you realize that? All prayers are answered. You either get a yes or a no or not now. There's no other answers. Yes, no, or not now. And the qualifier that Jesus talks about is given here by him. And he says, ask in my name. Have you ever noticed the closing of prayers? I'm sensitive to how somebody closes their prayer. Most prayers by Christians are closed by, in the name of Jesus. Or, what that is really saying is, or in the way or in the method of our Lord Jesus. Many years ago, back in my early days when I was teaching a home study uh, in, a, in a home fellowship, we're closing in prayer after this study. And one fellow in our group began to pray against another person. 
And he felt like this person was in sin, and he's going on and on about, you know, how God should correct this brother. And as he began to pray and continue, I had to stop him and interrupt his prayer. And I've never done that except this one time. You know, somebody's praying, you let them pray. And the only time I ever interrupted someone, and I simply said, we pray for people here, not against people. Especially fellow Christians. Be praying for one another. And Jesus reminds us here, he says, make petitions of me in my name. Asking in the name of Jesus is simply aligning myself with the will of God. I'm just operating in the will of God the Father. Our prayers are offered to God the Father in the name of Jesus. And like I said, I always listen to how someone closes their prayer. What we fail to recognize is Jesus wants to answer our prayers. And he wants to answer our prayers because it glorifies God when he does answer our prayers. By asking in the name of Jesus, we are giving Jesus the authority to say yes, no, or hold on, you got to wait for that one. <laughs> Our answers to prayer, however, it glorifies God and it glorifies Jesus. And many times we have to wait for God's timing. God has a time for each and everything. We see him say throughout the gospel, my hour has not yet come. Then he says, my hour has come. There is a timing of God that we have to factor in to all prayers. I once was talking to a lady, and I said to her outright, you should make your request a matter of prayer to God. She had a response to me. Oh, I don't pray anymore. <laughs> Because God doesn't answer my prayers. And I had to respond to that. I couldn't let that statement just go out there. I said, you got to pray believing. That's a requirement. You got to pray believing. You cannot force God to answer your prayer by challenging him or trying to pull reverse psychology on him, which this lady was doing. <clears throat> And this lady, to her own demise, withheld her prayers, wanting God to meet her demands. That's foolishness. If you want to know a truth, I'm glad God has not answered all my prayers with a yes. Because sometimes <laughs> I pray amiss. If he would have said yes to some of my prayers, I would have been in a heap of trouble in a lot of different situations. But Jesus, then he tells the disciples, and all who read his word 
Our love of God is demonstrated by our obedience. You want to measure your love of God? How obedient are you to God? And then John uh, 14, verses 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. To love God means his measuring stick is to obey him. We can speak of our love of God, but are we obedient to God in his word? Jesus has, uh, in this last discourse with his disciples, he's given several commands to them. He washed their feet. And he says, you ought to wash one another's feet, for there is happiness there. Second command, love one another, not in the way you want to be loved, but as Jesus loved you. He raised the bar a little there. Love one another as I have loved you. And the third command, have or put faith in me in the same manner that you have in God the Father. If we as disciples, and we're included in this, obey, Jesus will give us another helper who will abide with us forever. Jesus' commands to us cannot be obeyed through self-determination. Peter was as determined as a human could be in the flesh, saying, I will not do, uh, deny you, Jesus. And Jesus said, yep, three times for the rooster crows, you will deny me, Peter. And our self-determination will not suffice. We can't do it in and of ourselves. But with the Holy Spirit, him being our helper... Him abiding in us, we can live a life of obedience. And Jesus said that's a life of love. The Holy Spirit, like Jesus, is full of truth. And he dwells in us if we simply invite him into our lives. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God to believers. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus is speaking. He says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You just got to ask. Just simply ask. We need to accept the Holy Spirit and his leaderships into our lives. Ask and receive the Holy Spirit, a gift of God.
Our helper and teacher, well, he's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. Our love of God is demonstrated by accepting his helper, his helpmate, accepting him into our lives, our daily lives. And consider this, God the Holy Spirit is willing to dwell in us to help us. Oftentimes we think, well, I need to clean up my life a little bit before I ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in me. You invite the Holy Spirit in and let him clean up the life. But Jesus is going away. He's going away via the cross. And and Jesus is coupled with God the Father, along with the Father, offers the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to help us, to teach us the ways of God. Now, the disciples, they're, they're all sad. Jesus has said he's going away, and he's going to leave them. But Jesus, then he says, hey, I take care of my own. I'm the good shepherd. I always take care of my own. And he provides for us the Holy Spirit, who will dwell in us simply by our asking and receiving. There's another passage where Jesus uh, proclaims, the Holy Spirit is just like me. We're just alike. Jesus has told the disciples, I will not leave you orphans. I won't leave you fatherless. And to have God the Spirit dwell in us, it's a mystery. It's a mystery that outside of being a Christian that the world does not understand. Have you ever thought, perhaps you have like I have, how great it would have been to be one of the disciples that walked and talked with Jesus on a daily basis, had meals with him, seen him perform his miracles, heard his teachings. I would have loved to have been a disciple there. But time out. Jesus offers us the Holy Spirit. How can you reject such a great offer? The Holy Spirit that will indwell you. And the benefit is we'll do greater works than Jesus did if we have the Holy Spirit in us. That's his promise. You'll do greater works. A few years ago, they brought out the little bracelet, WWJD. And it was, still is, I guess, worn by many Christians. What would Jesus do? And I heard someone say, you got to wear three of those if you really want that to come true. you got to have three. The truth of the matter is in your heart. What would Jesus do? We'll do greater works. Greater works in, in greater numbers. 
And there's no greater work than to witness the conversion of a soul. That's the top of the list. The everlasting change of somebody's eternity by giving them the good news, the gospel. A great work for sure, done in and through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. It's hard to imagine that we can do greater works than our Lord Jesus. But let's pray for that. Father God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who comes and dwells us, leads us, guides us, comforts us, teaches us. And Lord, we, we often realize our need of your Spirit. So we invite you afresh and anew, come and dwell us. Live out our lives through your spirit in us, Lord. Lord, and we want to see, we want to do greater works than, than you did, Jesus. You told us this is possible, at least greater in number. So, Lord, here we are, standing before you, your people, your disciples, your followers, asking you, to give us your Holy Spirit to indwell us, to change us, to cause us to think heavenly versus earthly, to do that change that we need so desperately, Lord. We offer ourselves to you. Come, Holy Spirit, indwell us. We pray and ask for this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.